0: Enjoyed that. So uh, anyway, we're in Romans chapter 11 today, and we're picking up our our, our, our study in Romans in verse um, 17. In verse 17, and it says, "And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree." Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Now that sounds like a strange couple of verses in the middle of this passage. So we want to look into what is, what is Paul talking about here. He's kind of, he's been talking about all these things leading up to this. And now all of a sudden he goes to this, this example, this illustration of the olive tree. And, and, so, and that's what it is. It's an illustration so that, that we can understand what he's talking about, what is taking place. Now up until this point in this chapter, he has been talking about the fact that Israel has been put on the back burner because of their rejection of the Messiah. And because of their rejection of the Messiah, God allowed the Gospel to go to the Gentiles. And so now Paul is going to give an illustration so that everybody, Jew and Gentile, can understand. And he uses an illustration of the olive tree. Why the olive tree, you may ask? Well, the olive tree and its vine were symbols of Israel. And down through these centuries, they have been symbols of Israel. The olive are the people of God. The root is the patriarchs of the nation of Israel. And the stem is centuries, uh, that, uh, uh, the centuries of time that have passed that people have lived and died. But in this passage, we see the idea of branches broken off. Branches broken off. And these are the unbelieving Jews. We know that the Jews rejected the Messiah. And in their rejection of the Messiah, they were broken off of the olive tree. But at the same time that they were broken off of the olive tree, the Gentiles that accepted Jesus Christ were grafted into the olive tree. Now, we understand the process of grafting, right? You cut a notch in a tree or some plant, you cut a, the, a similar notch in the part you're trying to attach to it, you attach them together, and, a, 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 and they eventually grow together and become that plant. We understand that. And so that's what, the, what um, he's trying to teach us in, in this passage, is that there is a group of people... Uh, Jews that have rejected the Messiah and they have been cut off from the branch. And there are Gentiles that have accepted the gift of salvation and they have been grafted into the branch. But now the interesting thing is that it says that, and thou, referring to the Gentiles, being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them. Now, that's interesting because if you you study how olive trees were grafted, if a wild olive tree were grafted into a non-wild olive tree, the wild olive tree would take over the other tree. But that's not what happened here. They were grafted in to the accepting Jews, the accepting Gentiles, but they didn't take them over. That's where the illustration differs. Why is it different? Because, folks, we serve a supernatural God. <laughs> we serve a God who can take the Gentile who is wild and not part of Israel, and because of his belief in Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross, can graft him in to where the gospel originally went to the, to, to the Jews. And that's what Paul is talking about in this passage. But I want us to notice that this passage, these two verses already, there is a warning. And I want us to notice what the warning is. He says in verse 18, Boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. So what's the warning? Three things. Number one, you don't support the root. The root supports you. See, the idea that Paul's talking about here is as a Gentile being grafted in to the, to the tree, I could become proud. Man, there were those other branches that got cut off, but I got grafted in. <laughs> right? I mean, and that, isn't that how we are sometimes? We, 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 we have pride, right? We get welled up with pride and think, you know, hey, they got cut off, but I got grafted in. So Paul says, listen, It wasn't you. (laughs) It wasn't you that did the work. So don't think it is. You don't support the root. The root supports you. And uh, then he continues on. Notice what else he he teaches us here um, in in this passage. He says, Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. So number two, our stability in being grafted in was due to our what? We were grafted in not because of anything we did other than have faith in the work of Jesus Christ. And why, at the same time then, were the other branches broken off? Because of their unbelief, their lack of faith. So there's a warning there. Lack of faith, you get cut off. <laughs> faith, you get grafted in. And then we get to the to, to the third warning here. The third warning in... Uh, that, that he gave us is, is basically back in, in the verse 18. So we've got, the, we've got the fact that we don't support the root. The root supports us. And then that, that, the fact that back in verse 18 that we don't want to boast in, in what has, has been done. We don't want to boast. But listen, Psalm, Psalm 10 and verse 4 says this. It says, "...the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts." The wicked through the pride of his countenance. Listen, folks, there's a message here for us, and that message is don't boast in ourselves. Don't be filled with pride in ourselves. And and we have to be careful because it is easy as Christians to look at the rest of the world and be a little proud. Is it not? Boy, God, I'm glad I'm not like them. Right? We can do that. Right? We saw saw an illustration in the Bible where where the man went in the temple to pray and and what did he pray? Boy, God, I'm glad I'm not like that guy over there. He's pretty bad. He's got got a lot of things he better be praying about, Lord, because he's rough. I mean, he's a rough guy. That's how he prayed, right? And the other guy, the rough guy, he's over there falling on his face begging for mercy. And what does the Scripture tell us? Who was justified that day? God was begging for mercy. The guy that, that bowed his head in shame because of his life and because of his sin. Not the guy that sat over there and said, boy, God, thank you, I'm not like that guy over there. Because what was his problem? His problem was arrogance, pride. And so we have to be careful in our life we are not arrogant, that we are not full of pride. And folks, that is something that can affect every single one of us. And it's very easy in our world when there is so much wickedness around to be filled with pride because we're not involved in it. Right? We've all heard the saying, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't run with girls who do, right? You know, we've all, you know I'm, I, I, I'm this way, they're that way, boy, I'm a whole lot better than they are, right? I mean, that's what we think sometimes. And, you know, and, and, and it's easy to think that way. It's easy to think, you know, walking out of church today. Well, God, you know, all the people in my neighborhood, they weren't at church today. They were doing this, doing that, doing that. But I went to church. Well, maybe you did go to church. <laughs> but maybe you went to church in your pride and you left church in your pride. I don't know. So we must be careful. And Paul is trying to, as always, he's, he's teaching lessons to both the Jew and the Gentile. And, and so to the Jew in this passage, what is he teaching them? Listen. If you live in unbelief, you're going to be cut off. You're going to be cut off of the plant because of your unbelief. But if you come to God in faith, you're going to be grafted in. What a wonderful thing. That's why we have passages of Scripture that say, Whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Where does it come from? It comes from a belief, a trust, a faith in Jesus Christ and His shed blood on the cross of Calvary. That's where that faith comes in that allows us, even though in the, in, the, in the illustration we are the wild plant, it allows us to be grafted into the vine because we've come in faith. Trusting where? Not ourselves, but God. And what happens when we trust not ourselves, but God? It helps remove some of that pride, right? When I recognize there's nothing Ken Biggs can do to get grafted in but to trust, not in Ken Biggs, but in God. Nothing I can do. Try as I might, there's nothing I can do to be grafted in. But I get grafted in when in my humility I recognize I can't do it, but God can do it. And that's when I can be grafted in. And so that's what the picture is here that Paul is sharing uh, with both the Jews and the Gentiles here. It's the picture of being grafted into the vine, something that everybody in that time would understand and would understand how it works. So the olive tree example is number one today, but let's go on to number two, the olive tree application. Notice what it says then as we continue on. It says, well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. So before we go on to the application, there was one final warning. And that final warning is, be not high-minded, that's the the pride part, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. So what's the warning? Listen, we need to understand that we serve a God who is just. And if God is willing to cut off the Jew because of his unbelief, when they are the chosen people and God is willing to cut them off because of their unbelief, certainly He's willing to cut the Gentile off because of his unbelief. And so there's a warning there that we need to fear God. We need to have a reverential fear For God. Yeah, I don't know about you if you've ever heard the 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 sermon entitled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. But you know, I've read a little bit about that that message and, and that and that sermon, and the pastor that preached that message from all indications was complete monotone, very, very by sake of terms of listening to a speaker, very boring to listen to. But all he did was preach a message that people responded to in an unbelievable way. Why? Because he helped people understand who a holy God is and who they are in relation to that. And so that pastor who, from from what I read in history, never changed the tone of his voice at all, basically almost read through that sermon like he was reading a letter to somebody. And yet the response was amazing. Because they understood. We serve a holy God. And if he is willing to cut off the Jew. Who is part of his chosen people because of their unbelief. Certainly he'll cut off the Gentile because of their unbelief. And so that's what, what, what Paul's laying out for us. So that takes us to the application. Notice what it says in verse 22. Behold therefore. And notice the two terms here. The goodness of and severity of God. Those two terms don't seem like they go together, do they? (laughs) Behold the goodness of God and the severity of God. And we think those... Those don't belong in the same sentence. We we, we don't see how that's possible because we we don't understand how they, they work together. Goodness is literally the kindness of God and severity is the word for sharpness, steepness, and literally a cutting off. So what Paul does is he says, here's the illustration. The olive tree. Branches have been cut off because of unbelief. Other branches that were from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. And so he says, there's goodness, kindness, the fact that God allowed branches that were from the wild olive tree to be grafted in, that shows his goodness. But we also see the severity of God, the sharpness of God, in that he was willing to cut off part of the real tree, the original tree he was willing to cut off because of its unbelief. And so in that passage we see the goodness and We see the severity of God. And listen, folks, we have to understand that those terms do not negate each other when it comes to the character of God. Remember, when we talk about the attributes of God, God does not practice those attributes. He is those attributes. So when we say God is love, it doesn't mean God has some love in him. It means that God defines what love is. His character defines love. His character defines goodness. His character defines kindness. But folks, his, also, his character also defines holiness, righteousness, and justice. And those terms are not mutually exclusive. They can be in the same God. And in His love, He shows what? Mercy. Mercy. But there has to be a penalty for sin. And so his holiness, his righteousness, his justice demands that a price be paid. But going back then to his mercy, his mercy says, I'll pay the price with my son, who I'll sacrifice so that the debt can be paid. So, we see in the same God, love, mercy, goodness, and we see justice, holiness, righteousness, and we have to understand that. Turn over to Deuteronomy for just a second. Deuteronomy and uh, chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Go to the, uh, the last verse in 31 and it says and Moses spake in the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song until they were until they were ended and here's what Moses said give ear o ye heavens and i will speak and hear o earth the words of my mouth my doctrine shall drop as rain my speech shall distill as the dew as the small rain among the, upon the tender herb and the showers upon the grass because i will publish the name of the lord ascribe ye greatness unto our god he is the rock his his work is perfect For all his ways are what? Judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. What was Moses saying back here in the book of Deuteronomy to the children of Israel? He was saying, listen, God is a God of justice. And justice is not evil, folks. It's not. I don't know about you, But I can't wait for the day that God rights the wrongs in this world. When Jesus Christ returns and the people that have murdered other people and the people that have abused other people and the people that have stolen from other people and the people that have lived wickedly their whole life and profited from it, God is going to right those wrongs one day. And that's justice, and I'm thankful for that justice. It doesn't seem evil to me. It seems like God's going to right wrongs. And I'm thankful for that. Psalm 73 and verse 1 says, "...Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart." God is good to Israel. Back in Romans, it says, "...Behold therefore the goodness and severity of God on them which fell, severity, but toward thee, goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, Otherwise, thou, shalt also, thou, thou also shalt be cut off. And verse 23, And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, if, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Ah, now we're starting to get a picture of something going on. Israel, uh, who has been cut off because of their unbelief in the Messiah, if they come, if the Jew comes back to God, leaves their unbelief, what's going to happen they're going to get grafted back in. What a blessed thought. People, Some people take the mentality that God is done with Israel. Israel was rejected. God's done with them. That can't be further from the truth, folks. Do you know there are people, I, I did some reading this week, there, there, are, there are people in this world, there are organizations, mission organizations in this world that will not take the Gospel to the Jew because they, they take the viewpoint that God is done with the Jew. That is so far from the truth, folks. God is not done with the Jew. They are set aside right now because of their unbelief. But as they turn to God, they will be grafted back into the plant, to the olive tree. And in the end, folks, when Jesus Christ returns, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, it's going to be the Jew that is going to be the witness for God. 12,000 from every tribe, 144,000 witnesses here on this earth that are going to testify for the Messiah the same Messiah that they rejected as a nation. That's going to happen in the end times. What does that tell us? (laughs) That God will take them back in (laughs) and connect them to the vine. Aren't we thankful for that? If they abide not in unbelief. Abide means to persist or continue. So if they continue not in their unbelief, they'll be grafted in. We get, we get the concept there of abiding in Christ. And we, we see that concept very clearly in the book of John. If you turn back over to John, and of course we studied John a couple of studies ago, but John chapter 15, and you'll remember these verses, John 15, verses 1 through 8. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. You know, one of the things we did, we, we did a service project there at the camp. We cleared out some woods so that they could put in another picnic area. But we cut out a lot of branches and bushes and trees and little trees, saplings and stuff like that. And, um, and we cut those things out and we hauled them in a trailer out to the brush pile at the camp. And you know what's interesting about the brush pile at the camp? Dead. It's not green, folks. Why? Because all those branches have been disconnected from the vine. It's dead. That's what happens when we disconnect part of a plant from the root system of that plant. It dies. And so what does Jesus Christ say in John? He says, listen, stay connected to me. Stay connected to me. That's what he says. And that's what we need to do. Notice what he says then, verse 24. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? So it goes back to the idea of the branches that were, gra- that were cut off and then the branches that came from the wild tree. And that, Notice what he says. He says, which is wild by nature and wert grafted contrary to nature. Well, how are they grafted contrary to nature? Because a wild olive tree cannot be grafted into a good olive tree and turn into the good olive tree. It turns the good olive tree wild. But in this particular case, because a supernatural God is involved, they are grafted in contrary to nature. But he says if God can do that, how much more can he graft one of its own back into the tree? Now, folks, that, that's a, if you're a Jew, that's a beautiful picture. You should be rejoicing today because there is hope. There is hope that you can be grafted back in with God. What does the Scripture tell us? All things are possible. All things are possible. God is a God who delights in the impossible, folks. He is. And I, st- I started on the on the retreat. I started reading a book, and uh, there were some examples. Some old examples, and, and in that book there were some examples of some people's lives who were changed dramatically when they gave their life over to God the right way, not in their own strength, but in God's strength. And each example basically was an example of the fact that God can do the impossible. God can take a life that is a mess, and he can do the impossible. He can fix it when it's God that's doing it. Not us trying to do it. And that's what the book was stressing in its first couple of chapters. The book was stressing how we try to fix the problems and they just don't get fixed. And, and sometimes we even struggle with, I don't understand why this won't get fixed. We struggle with, I don't understand why do I keep returning to this sin? I don't understand why do I keep living this way? I don't understand. I'm trying, God. I'm trying, God. I'm trying, God. But the fact of the matter is we're trying. We need God's help, God's strength in our lives. And so that's what we're talking about here. But he encourages the Jews, he says, listen, if God, can, if God can graft in this wild olive tree, he can graft you back in if you will leave your unbelief. And that takes us to a discussion of Israel's restoration. Look at verse 25. He says, for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of Gentiles become in. Now, this is an interesting verse. Paul talks, refers to it as a mystery. He says, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to wonder what I'm talking about. I don't want you to be wondering, how does this work? What is going on? He says, I don't want you to, to not understand the mystery. He said, I want you to understand that there is a blindness in part that has happened to Israel. What does that mean? It's temporary. Temporarily. Israel is set aside because of the hardness of their heart in rejecting the Messiah. But Paul says this blindness is temporary until what? The fullness of the Gentiles. So we got to ask ourselves, what is, obviously, the fullness of the Gentiles? Well... There's a couple terms in the Bible. There's the times of the Gentiles. We'll see that term in Scripture. And then we see the term, the fullness of the Gentiles. So what are they and are they two different things? And the answer is yes, they are. The times of the Gentiles is the period from Nebuchadnezzar until Jesus Christ returns. That's the times of the Gentiles. When Nebuchadnezzar was on the throne until Jesus Christ returned. That's the times of the Gentiles. The fullness of the Gentiles will be complete When? At the rapture of the church. At the rapture of the church. And that's the fullness of the Gentiles. When the last Gentile will be saved and Jesus Christ returns in the rapture, that's the fullness of the Gentiles. And that's when the partial blindness is removed. And Jews will get saved again in record numbers. It's amazing. Amazing how God has laid this whole thing out. He says, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of Gentiles be come in, and so all Israel shall be saved. It is written, There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Now, Let's be careful, don't read into Scripture. He's not saying all Israel, every single Jew on the earth is going to be saved. That's not what he's saying. All through Scripture, many, many times referring to Israel, it's referring to Israel as a group And so it does not mean every single Jew is going to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's not going to happen. We know that clearly. The Bible clearly teaches us that there's a broad way that leads to destruction, and there's a narrow way that leads to to salvation. And the Bible says, the narrow way, few there be that find it. So it's not that every Jew will be saved, but what it does mean is that the Jews are going to be coming taken off the shelf and that there will be salvation in large numbers among the Jews where they will acknowledge, and this is the beautiful part, well, they will acknowledge what they wouldn't acknowledge before, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Isn't that beautiful, folks? You think about it. The nation in its history has been put on hold because as a nation, they rejected the Messiah. But there's going to come a day when many will turn from their rejection of the Messiah and proclaim Jesus Christ as the Messiah. That's beautiful. That's exciting to think that that will happen. But notice from this, and we'll end here today, he points out, he points out three things in, in this verse that we want to take notice of. He says, there, uh, And so all Israel shall be saved, as is written, There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. What Three things real quick and we'll be done. Number one, we see the deliverer comes from Zion. Number two, he talks about Jacob's guilt being taken away. That's a reference back into Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 27 and verse 9. He says, By this therefore shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged, and this is all the fruit to take away his sin, when he maketh all the stones of the altar as chalk stones that are beaten in sunder, the groves and images shall not stand up. It's a reference back to that passage in Isaiah and talking about the fact that, that God is going to take away their sin. And then we see that in the next verse where the deliverer would establish God's covenant. And what was God's covenant? His promises of forgiveness of sin for Israel. The covenants that he made with the patriarchs of the nation. Abraham, that his seed would be as the sands of the seashore. All the promises that God has made to Israel as his chosen people, God is going to fulfill. That's what he says. Just because they've been put on the shelf for a while doesn't mean those promises went away. Those promises that were made by God, God is what? True. And he does not lie. Those promises that were made by God to Israel will all be fulfilled in time. And we're going to have to stop there because we're out of time today. We'll pick back up with that discussion of Israel's restoration next week. And we'll continue to look at uh, at Israel's restoration and their present condition right now as we continue on in our study here. But chapter 11 is just very focused on Israel as a nation. But there are still lessons in there that we can learn and we can apply to ourselves. We must be careful in our lives. Just listen. Because we've received the gift of salvation, we've got to not let that build us up in pride, folks. And we've got to understand that we are saved not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. And so, uh, good lesson, good good passage of Scripture to give us some good insight into how God's mind works. So let's have a word of prayer. I'm going to ask Judy to come to the altar. Heads bowed, eyes closed. And um, Judy's going to come forward in just a second here, and we'll have... Time of invitation. I don't know how the Lord may have spoken to your heart today, but uh, you know, may, maybe you, you've found yourself in that position in your life where because you know you're saved, because you know you're a Christian, maybe, maybe you've let a little of that pride swell up at times, and uh, maybe you just need to ask God to forgive you for that. Take heed the warning <laughs> that's given in Scripture uh, to, to not be full of pride, don't be arrogant. Uh, to recognize it's a work of God and not our work. And then, and then to, to have a reverential fear for God. I, I feel so many times we, we, we lack that proper fear. Having God, all reverential fear means is having God in his proper place and having myself in my proper place. It's understanding who God is and understanding who I am. And if I understand those two concepts, <clears throat> I will have a proper fear of God because I'll recognize a holy God and I'll recognize a sinful man. And so I don't know how the Lord's put your hearts and lives today, but let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment as Judy plays. The altar's open as we wait this morning.